0: You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us.net and all of the shows on it are hundred percent subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to one of us.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well.
1: On this episode of Screener Squad, with his second feature, film director Igor Legatiera gives us all the moons, a festival darling that went to Pantasia International Film Festival last August and brought home Best Director, Best Cinematography, and the Audience Award for Best European Slash North American South American Feature. Our feature picks up in 1876, near the end of the Carlos War, where a young, Nameless Girl is fatally injured in an orphanage by a bombing, and amidst the ruin and death, a woman appears, who is credited in the film only as madre, and offers to save her. But our young protagonist is both dying and suffering trauma, so she agrees. Being immortal is an affront to God, but it is also at odds with our main character. Let me now introduce this episode's screener squad. With me I have Luane.
0: Hey, how's
2: it going? Tessa. I don't say blah blah.
1: And Marco. Ahoy, ahoy. My name is Bob, and in this feature, in the youngest role, we have Isaiah Cinceneros in her first film, Astoundingly, and Isitar Etunio as Madre, and the male protagonist who comes in later in the film, Josan Begochea, as Candido. And an amazing score, I will just jump out from the rip and say from uh, Pascal Gagne, who also scored Elementary the Blacksmith and the Devil which is a really long great Spanish horror flick on Netflix if you get a chance. So when the film picks up like I said, you know we're in the middle of war, we're in an orphanage and the roof comes down, the bombs come down and we see really early on that our protagonist can kind of see through the veil of the strong front that the the sisters are trying to put on and she wants to know why why are we praying? Why don't we just get out of here? But Like I said, she gets horribly injured and a woman shows up and offers to help her. And, you know, she's dying. She doesn't want to die. She's very young. She wants help. Woman looks trusting enough. And she says yes, but we find out really quick that the way to save her is through immortality.
0: It uh, it sounds good. You mentioned (laughs) the score. It looks amazing. You were talking about the awards that are received. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) <laughs> the uh, I, I could see all of that. Um, it's interesting because this gets described in almost every review and, and comment about it. I've seen it as a vampire movie, and it's barely a vampire movie. Now, that's not a criticism, but it's an observation about the film. That's basically the inciting incident that start things, to start things off, but it's really a family drama. However, you want to describe family.
1: There at the top, you know, this is also uh, something I think that makes it a little more art housey than your average. I don't even know if I'd call this a horror movie, which it's getting described as too. Our young protagonist spends some time with the woman who turns her in a very brief period of time, and then, bam, act two. Our young girl is alone for ten years in a cave. And that, I think, is one of my favorite parts on the film, is it does something that I really liked. Uh, if I think of another vampire film, maybe uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. I really like the commentary on the loneliness that is the, you know, the, the side effect of living forever. Not just seeing everybody die, but what does every day mean when you have all the days, you know? If if it's all forever, then what does it really matter? You know, so I like that we got real dark pretty fast with this little girl alone with self-harm, suicidal ideation, and, I mean, I assume suicide attempts. She's not doing well, and to be on her own the whole time just made it all worse.
3: This is uh, my third film that I've just jumped in blind like, no idea what I was watching. I was just like, hey, you need another person in order to make this. A little bit behind-the-curtain look there. I just thought it would be a fun thought experiment to just jump in. This was not that, because I saw the word shutter right at the beginning. I'm like, oh, I'm watching a horror movie today. And like LeWayne says, it's it's not a horror movie at all. It's shot really well. It's really beautiful. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know if the, the drama or the conflict ever really gets there. And then the ending is just very, like... It's just there. Like it, something just happens.
2: I, I mean, I still think you could probably consider this like it's like a th- horror thriller, but more kind of drama. It depends on what your definition of scary is. Some people are scared by spiders or, you know, people trying to break into their house. Some people are terrified of crippling loneliness. So, I mean, it just really depends on what your definition of scary is. And also, you know, it does have vampires, uh, depending, you know, on your definition of a vampire, which I think this qualifies. The, The vampire end of it is more to make her other like she just just to be like she's different she's not like the others whether it's a metaphor for you know um her maybe being of a different religion or race or you know sort of like leaning sexuality type person you know whatever kind of analogy you want to throw on top of that her being othered and then also just wanting family so terribly
1: i'll jump a little further so we have something to talk about because up to this point there really isn't much dialogue but After her 10 years alone, we see her reintroduction to society, I guess is the way I see it. And um, our protagonist gets a name in Amaya, a father figure, a very proactive church community. Judges will allow it technically age-appropriate love interest and some chickens. (laughs) So once our story moves into, you know, this has happened to her, she's slightly evolved in some way, which I, I thought was cool with where, what what we get into with the sunlight, you know, by at first trying to hurt herself, seeing that, you know, she's technically making herself stronger. We get her into, you know, like you said, she, she doesn't want to be alone. Now she's got a very tragic father figure in Candido, who we learn has lost his family and is alone. And she wanders through his plot of land and puts her leg in a wolf trap. And, does not scream which was i thought just a a, a really cool uh, cinematic thing to see the little girl just kind of fidgeting with this bear trap what'd you guys think about the church and the father and the use of religion in the story i will say on the religion side it isn't your typical look at oh no now we have a vampire so bring out the exorcist and stuff like that it is kind of a subtler addition of the the religion i thought well
0: yeah the Although, I will have to admit that when we're first introduced to the priest, the first thing he does is examine a a Maya like she's a show animal. And I'm like, well, this is a little uncomfortable. The religious element doesn't go anywhere like I expected it to. In fact, um, she meets, I think, Miguel, this other little kid that's in in the church. Because that's one of the things. Candido hasn't been back to church since his family passed away. And now that he has this, quote, daughter, he returns to the church and to the community and and all that. But Miguel, at one point, actually says to Amaya, my mother says you're an angel and that God sent you. And that's not a thing you hear in a movie as somebody's talking about a vampire. Like, I mean, I know nobody knows what she is yet. She's just this girl that magically appeared. And for them, it's just a miracle. And, of course, where is a miracle going to have come from? God, Right. It, so it was interesting to not immediately see everybody afraid of this thing that's unusual, or because she doesn't seem unusual. Well, she's a little girl who just showed up out of nowhere, but like beyond that, everybody just sort of welcomes her in, which is sort of weird. I mean, it's it it kind of goes against the the sort of traditional way of of films dealing with. the the creature, the monster, the other, or whatever.
1: We mentioned earlier, you know, that the film's really well shot. There's so much natural light in this thing, and I really dug that, you know, when it started and you hear Madre tell her, you know, we don't go out during the day. I was like, man, if this whole thing is shot in this dingy... But it's not. The cinematography is on full display. If this was something I saw at a film festival, this is the one I wanted to shut up about. Oh, my God, did you see the fog rolling... In that one shot or the torches, you know, from afar with the blue azure sky behind it. I thought all that stuff was great. And I really thought the score was cool, too. Not only the music, the music is good, but like the scenes where we see her struggling with food and blood and things like that. The sound gets very visceral and puts you in those scenes. If it's one of these things where you're not cool with the AMSR Uh, aspects of horror like there was some slightly unsettling stuff there for me just because i was really into it but i did dig that it just wasn't a standard pretty flick like it seemed like there was some intention and in some of the the design
2: they're trying to make your stomach turn at the sound of the food to like feel for her being like i can't eat this so it was definitely very intentional with the foley there
1: one thing I'm going to give a lot of points to this film for is there's a scene with where, like we said, she meets a little boy and they're playing in the tree and he falls out of the tree. And the movie absolutely did not do what I 100 percent thought it was going to do, which is what every other film that had a vampire in it, which was her jump down there and turn him into a vampire immediately. And then we got 50 minutes of these two kids running around. I wasn't really interested in that. But I really like that it seemed, you know, LaWayne mentioned it earlier, the use of religion, the use of the father, the use of the mother. She's not in the film very much. And then I think in the middle of the film where we do see her, it's more of like a specter of the mother that Amaya is seeing. I don't think it's necessarily that she's seeing her come and haunt her in her bedroom or anything like that. But I like that this film zagged a lot of time instead of zigged.
2: Yeah, that's definitely something i like from my horror films is a little bit of unpredictability where so many horror films you basically feel like you have the handbook
1: for sure because a lot of times uh when you're going down a path and you know where it's going like when you see something that's doing wicker man part of the fun in that is you want to see how they're going to do it but you know with stuff like this vampire stories to me are i like the sadder stuff like I mentioned a Jim Jarmusch vampire movie at the top of this,
2: if nobody noticed. I love that movie.
1: So I, I really dug the tenor of this one. I'm trying to figure out how I would describe this to people because I don't feel like vampire using the term is wrong, but I don't, and it's not really a spoiler, but I don't think it really sells the movie either because this one's doing something else. I think this one really is a character study of this young girl over several decades through. Horrible tragedy, and another thing I really liked the way they used in this movie was war, because it brings all this together, and then when it finally creeps in in the movie, she's just trying to catch her breath, and is that a storm coming? No, it's the fucking Spanish-American War, and I like that incessant odds being laid on top of her. So sounds like we've all talked about this so much, so we can get into final thoughts. Who wants to go first? How about you, Marco? All
3: right. Overall, I mean, like everyone has been saying, this movie is really beautiful. The shots are amazing. No surprise that it won cinematography. I didn't know that coming in, but thank you for that. The story, it's just really slow. Like, it's not bad. It's just not what I was expecting uh, when I saw Shudder. The last two Shutter movies I've seen have been really in my face and like, oh yeah, here's The Killer now. Um, so, my bad. I should have actually known when it was in Spanish that it was like, oh, this is probably a different kind of movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's great. It's worth a watch. I probably owe this movie a rewatch, but right now I'm just going to give it uh, six out of ten Spanish wars.
0: How about you, Louane? I mean, usually this is where I say something like it looked good, it sounded good, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But I kind of opened with that. (laughs) Um, But it really is a good looking movie. And there's virtually no word that you're going to use to describe it that will give you an accurate picture. You know, yeah, it's a vampire movie in that there are vampires and vampirism runs through it. But it's not a conventional vampire movie. It's not a, I used the term family drama earlier and it's that, but it's not at the same time. Like, this is the type of movie that is going to end up on Shutter because what the hell else do you do with it? It's just unconventional in a variety of ways, right from the go with using the Basque language to to telling this sort of love story, but not really... It really is a movie that just deserves to be watched because you're never going to get a good sense of what's going on with it if you don't. In talking about it to wrap things up, I realized it's going to go up a little on my in my score after all. So it's going to be four out of five serious sunburns. How about you, Tessa?
2: As I said before, this was not you know your can as we've been saying it's not your conventional vampire flick and i enjoy having unpredictability in a horror film because it just it kind of keeps me engaged because i want to see what's going to happen next you know and i'm also i'm kind of like a mark for vampire flicks and also films that have like a father-daughter relationship i mean i cried when i saw logan and maggie anything like that like i'm a total sap for so um, that definitely checked two things, uh, two boxes for me at least. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that this wasn't your like conventional vampire flick. They tried to establish some different rules, which I thought was interesting. I don't want to ruin what those were. But there was one thing that they did that I was a little unclear on. Maybe y'all could could help me clear it up a bit. But uh, the vampires, whenever they warmed their hands by the fire and they rub their hands together, like their hands filled with ash like they had dead skin cells or something, and then they rubbed the ash on their face. It was really weird. Like, I didn't know if y'all picked up on that or not. Like, I think it it was just really interesting. So it was just kind of just a really weird sort of affectation that I found really interesting. The writing was really good. There's a really good line at the end where she's just so mad, you know, at her vampire mom, but also like still loves her, you know, but she's still angry with her. Like, I feel like that is a really relatable sort of feeling of being like frustrated with your parents, but you still love them. You know, it's like you did this thing and you fucked me up for everything else and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know, it's just very relatable. So I would probably give this 7.5 out of 10 suspicious cattle deaths.
1: I think if I had to pin it down, I'm gonna call this a fairy tale. I mean, maybe not a fable Ooh. because mm. if you're the main character, I don't know what the hell the lesson is there. (laughs) If if you're dying, don't seek medical attention. (laughs) Oh, no. But I think it's maybe, I don't want to use the word gothic because, you know. But uh, I think it's a fairy tale. And I think that uh, All the Moons doesn't try to rewrite the story of the vampire as we all know it. But I think for sure it has a lot of things to add and to say about it. Especially, like I mentioned, speaking specifically to the solitude of immortality and more specifically uh, having to live not being able to die you know and the the mental consequence of of knowing that you have no way out I really appreciated the amount of religion and religiosity that was in the movie there was enough that you know you don't want to not have the church in here when you're set in this time in the country because that's what the community is there's lines in here like uh no demon has your smile and Always is too much time. And then the underwater sequence. Tessa said she's a sucker for this stuff. My heart broke like four times watching this film. I'm here for the sad, pretty, of course it would work out this way. Because how else would it work out kind of tragedy stuff. And this was right up my alley. I think this might be the muddiest and foggiest fairy tale I've ever seen. But I'm going to go 9 out of 10 scared swarms of bees
2: (laughs) i i love the line at the end and she was like you took death away from me and left me lifeless and i was like oh god the writers in this i don't know the writers the translators whoever is like oof, so good